Alright, here we go. Let's go up five, four, three, two, one. Welcome to the podcast. Welcome to everything you need to know about music in three songs, where you get to learn everything you need to know about music in three songs from the perspective of a 20-something-year-old. That's you. And a 40-something-year-old. That is me. That is you. Yeah. All it's right. my turn today. Tell me what we got on tap. Uh, what are we looking at? Yeah. I am going to teach you about the blues today. Oh, that's kind of sad. And speci- <laughs> specifically the Allman Brothers Band. Nice. Yeah, the Allman Brothers Band, in my opinion, are the um, definition of what blues really is. Not spelled like almond. No, all man. Made that mistake before. But, um, odd that you should say that, because when they actually first started getting together and playing and stuff, they Mm. were the Almond Joys, (laughs) which is kind of (laughs) cool. That's so dumb. But what you need to know about the Allman Brothers is that it's blues they're off to a bad start no they're not no they're not no they're not it's it's all blues so when i say blues to you what does that mean as of now and then i'm going to ask you at the end and by the way i I just want to tell everybody we are we are having a little kentucky bourbon while we do this podcast because it's going to fit in to what we're talking about today Really well. Wow. Yeah. I did, so this was planned. It was kind of planned. There's a reason there's for that. There's a reason that's for awesome. all of this. Yeah. I, that's really yeah, cool. There's all a reason right. for everything. Well, I. Uh, so what do you know about the blues? Next time we do some rap music, we'll have to drink 40s. <laughs> or some. Uh, that seems only, only appropriate. <laughs> right. So what about blues? Tell me, tell me what you think about the blues now. When I think about the blues, and this is probably totally wrong, but when I think about the blues, I think about a piano. Okay. And I think about a blind guy who's, <laughs> okay. who's black and plays the piano. I think about Ray Charles. Uh, okay. Okay. All right, I'm going to give you my definition of blues, and then I'm going to go through the Allman Brothers and why they, I think, personify that definition, okay? You're, you're getting there, but you have to understand that the blues is sad. The yeah. blues is really I sad. Do, I do know that. Nobody gets the girl. Okay. There's no happiness. There is just strife and sorrow and the guy losing his girlfriend to his best friend that and sucks. the dog dying. It's the worst. <laughs> it's just bad. That is bad. It's blues. It's 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 sadness. Wow. But there's but there's something to the magic of the sadness that makes the blues special. Nice. So the Almond brothers, it's really two brothers, Greg and Dwayne Almond. Both mm-hmm are no longer living. Greg uh, actually just died a few years ago. I think it was last year or the year prior. But these are southern rock and roll blues guys. Which is cool. They I'm come from very Florida. into southern, southern rock. Okay. I'm kind of familiar with them, but I don't know enough, so I'm really excited to learn oh, Okay, more. so this is deep, deep they're traditional. They're from Florida. Yeah. Oh, they're even cooler. Deep, deep traditional blues. Do you know about Robert Johnson? Have you ever heard that name before? Uh, doesn't ring a bell. Okay, Robert a Johnson name. started what is now the blues. the The idea of what blues sounds like was kind of started with Robert Johnson. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to tell you the story real quick about Robert Johnson, only because it's it's kind of the blues personified in a story. Okay, he was a terrible guitarist and a terrible singer when he was young. Okay, terrible. Mm-hmm. Would go play like these little juke joints and would play these little bars and these little clubs, and he would get kicked out because he was so horrible. But he still went. And then he went away for a little while and disappeared, and people didn't see him. And the legend is that he went to the crossroads and met the devil and sold his soul to the devil for the ability to play the blues, to play this 
special type of meaningful, sorrowful music, but over guitar that was just, that's never really been done before. And this is kind of what it sounded like. Now, it's not good, you're not gonna like it, but you have to hear it, because the blues is in this. Yeah, this is definitely blues. Okay. When Keith Richards heard this for the first time, the guitarist from the mm-hmm. Rolling Stones, mm-hmm. he thought there were two guitars playing at the same time. He's like, what, the, what is this? This was different for the time, okay? Mm-hmm. Who is this? This is Robert Johnson. Oh. I mean, you're, you're talking like this is... This yeah, he is, sounds like he sold his soul. Yeah. <laughs> okay, but you get that, right? Right. All right. So Robert Johnson was... Now, here's where the blues comes in. At the age of 27, he's playing guitar in a bar... Okay. And he starts hitting on this chick. Nice. The chick's hitting back on him. Oh, way nice. And the husband of the girl mm. poisons his bottle of whiskey, his bottle of Kentucky bourbon. That's cool. Which we're drinking. Did you poison no, my whiskey? I did not. But I want you to get that feel. And so he was basically murdered. And that's where the blues is. There's no good ending to the blues. You got Robert me? Johnson was murdered. Robert the, Johnson was murdered in real life. In real life. Oh, so that actually happened. That wasn't <laughs> no, part of no, 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 no. Oh. That's real. That's what the blues is. The blues <laughs> is the blending of what happens in the song to what happens in reality. So I tell you the story about Robert Johnson because so many of those songs that he wrote and he played are still the blues traditional music that we know and love today. Mm. <laughs> got I me? got a good bite of that whiskey there. So let's talk a little bit about the Almond Brothers. Here's where we start their story, okay? When the boys were two and three years old, Mm -hmm. their father was shot and died. So their father was a World War II veteran. He was home Mm -hmm. and just gets shot. By a hitchhiker. By a hitchhiker. That sucks. So then they leave where they're from, and I don't remember exactly where they were born, but they moved to Florida. And everything changed for them in 1960 when they went to see an Otis Redding concert. That guy's cool. He's awesome. So they started playing in bands. Like I said, they, they did the, all, the, the Almond Joys, and they, they, <laughs> they started playing a bunch of stuff. But really, Dwayne started to gain some real popularity because of his guitar style and because of his guitar abilities. So he went down to Muscle Shoals, which we've talked about before. Of course. This special place. And he starts becoming a session musician for a lot of these people. And th- th- they're recording there. So is Muscles... I'm sorry. This no, 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 go. Of course. Is Muscle Shoals, briefly, yeah. like Nashville of the Dirty South? Or yeah. Is, yeah. 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 But, but what they did differently was anyone could go and record there. They were blending genres. They were blending races at the time, which, I mean, people yeah. have... It was just one of these special, odd kind of places that just did it. And... Every style of music has kind of come out of there. Jimmy Buffett and all these people you tell me about who are totally different than him. So that's crazy. Yeah. We're going to have to talk about this. We, we definitely will. Okay. We'll do it. We'll do it a, a thorough, proper discussion of it. Okay. But anyway, I want to tell you. So when he was down there, he was playing with Wilson Pickett. Right. Wilson Pickett was recording. And they had just kind of were taking a break. They, I think they found a little bit of a lull in time. And Gr- Dwayne Allman goes up to Wilson Pickett and he goes, you know what you should do? You should do the Beatles song, Hey Jude. And he's like... Mm. No, no, no. It was 1969 at the time. Big song came out in 68. And he goes, that's not really my style. He goes, well, we'll do it differently. We'll do it soul. And I'm going to put a little slide guitar on it. So I'm into that. He actually did it. They made a gospel version. And this is it of Hey Jude. Hey Jude. 
Oh, this is awesome. Right? Now, the reason I'm playing this is because later on, it's going to get some attention by some other people, and that's Dwayne Allman on the guitar. Now, it starts off really slow, and I'm going to just fast forward. I'm going to go a little bit into where you can hear a little bit of where Dwayne starts to play a little bit. So you can get an idea of what he was doing, even on these soul tracks. Check it. I love right. Now, I don't like when people redo Beatles songs, but come on. Okay, so we're not even at the first song. I'm just, I'm, I'm just so excited to kind of warm you up to where these songs kind of come from. I like that. That's All fun. Right? All right, so the brothers kind of are hanging out, and one day the two of them go horseback riding through the fields. Nice. And Greg tells Dwayne, "Look, the horse you're on is shod." Mm-hmm. Okay, which means that's like the transition period between wearing shoes and not wearing mm-hmm. shoes. And you know, me as a I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a rancher, so I know From these Oklahoma. things. From <laughs> mm-hmm. I know. <laughs> just want you to know that, because I know you don't know that. So anyway, he goes, look, it, it, do not get on this horse too much, or you guys will both fall, and you're going to get hurt. And here's where the blues comes in. So he does fall. Idiot. And he does get hurt. And Dwayne hurts his elbow, and he's really pissed off. Like, really upset that he's, he, he's having trouble playing the guitar, and he's, he's pissed. He locks himself in the house. For six weeks, he doesn't talk to his brother, Greg. That's sad. He calls, he hangs up on him. Like, it's really, he's really pissed off. So, during this time, Dwayne's birthday comes up, and Greg goes and buys him a bottle of Coracetin pills, which is like a, uh, like a, like a pain reliever, right? Mm-hmm. And he also buys him the first Taj Mahal record, which Taj Mahal is a guy named Henry St. Clair Fredericks, who just went under the stage name Taj Mahal. But these guys were bluesy, like, soulful dudes. The slide guitarist... On that album is a guy named Jesse Edwin Davis, born in Norman, Oklahoma. No way. Shout out to Norman, Oklahoma. You're welcome welcome for that. Anyway, on that Taj Mahal album, which he studied incessantly, he empties the bottle, the glass bottle of Corsetan pills, Mm -hmm. and puts it over his finger to use it as a slide. Whoa. So that he could play just like Jesse Edwin Davis, and he literally teaches himself the slide guitar. Okay, now I don't know you know how much you know about the slide guitar. Yeah, but it is different. It's the blend, in my it opinion, is of nineties country. No, it's not. Yes, it it's is. not. It's blues. It's the blend Ooh. of harmonica and guitar, mm-hmm. and it's special. So the first song I'm going to play for you happens to be the second song on that Taj Mahal album. And it became one of the Allman Brothers' biggest hits. When they would start their show, this is what they would start with. The Statesboro Blues. We got a live version? Oh, yeah, This is cool. Listen to that slide. You hear that? That's cool. 
Yeah, this is blues. Yeah, like this is blues, right? Now, I'm going to slow it down here for just a second because we're going to go back to this, but I just want you to listen to that slide for just a second. All right, I'm going to pause it here for a second, okay? Slide guitar, way cool. Way cool. This is what I want you to know about, about the blues, and this to me is one of those key elements of blues. It has to be mm-hmm. sad. Right. Okay? It has to be dark, and it has to be part of the one four five progression. Okay? Always. Always. Okay. If it isn't, or at least a derivative of, it's not the blues. It's something else. Interesting. Okay? So let me explain what that one four five progression is. If we were to take... Do, re, mi, fa, sol, la, ti, do. All right? Or if we just were going to start in the key of C. C, D, E, F, G, A, B, C. Right? Those seven mm-hmm. notes. If we were to number them, meaning one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, C, D, E, F, G, A, B, the one is the C, the four is the F, and the five is the G. So one, four, five. The reason why they use numbers is because you can literally say, and this is what happens, by the way, on stage when I play, people will go, we're going to do a one, four, five in G. We're going to start it off on the D, run it. Th- this, is how it's, this is how you're told. Because everyone sings in a different key, or sometimes songs just are in a special key. So they'll say, give me a one, four, five in C. I know exactly what notes I'm going to be playing, exactly which chords. That's really cool. And I've always wondered that, like, how the hell do people who have never played music together just get up there and play? Like, when, when your dad does stuff, right? and he's just like, yeah, they'll just learn the songs. I'm like, what do you mean? And I right. can practice or anything? And it's because musicality, there's a way that music fits together. There's a way that it kind of works. So if you're in D, for example, like this song is, by the way, D is the one, G is the four, and then A is the five. Mm-hmm. Now, there's a relationship between the one, four, and five. The five note happens to be very close melodically to the one. Right. Okay? The four note is kind of an, what's called an unresolved note. What that means is you can go from the one to the four, and then from the four to the five, or the four back to the one. You can go other places. Mm-hmm. But the five is so related to the one that you will play the five before playing the one again, which creates a loop when you think about it. So like one, four, five one, four, five, one, four, five, or whatever pattern you're going to do, and it creates that loop, which is what keeps going. Mm -hmm. Like when we talk about bars, how many bars you're going to play, that's how it works. The blues is centered around the 12-bar blues. Mm -hmm. It's four bars of one, four bars of four, and four bars of five. Thus, three fours is 12. That's the 12-bar blues. Wow, that's... That's what blues has to be, in my opinion. It has to be a derivative, a derivative of the one, four, five. Is that is that law? Like it's pretty law. Okay. I mean, it's 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 more my law, law but I would say <laughs> most enough. people would understand that, that that is the blues. That I mean, that Fair really enough. is that is blues. Now you you can go different places to make songs sound a little bit different, but if you're at a jet, if you're at a blues bar, you're hearing the one, four, five. <laughs> I mean, that's just it. Blues bars are way tight. Now let's talk about the other element which is the vocal style. Mm-hmm. The vocal style has to fit into this one, four, five. And usually it goes like this. I'm going to say one line. Then I'm going to repeat one line. Then I'm going to say a third line that runs into the fourth line. Kind of like a poem. Yeah. It's kind of like Camden is a great friend. The second line would be, oh, Camden is a great friend. The same thing again. He doesn't know the blues, but he will by the end, right? Like, 
One is the same, two is the same as one, three runs into four, and two and four rhyme. That was pretty clever. Thank you very much. Yeah, I like that. But you see what I mean? I get what you mean. Okay, now, the last element is that during this, during the the wording, and at the end of a sentence, let's say, Mm -hmm. the guitar, or another instrument, but usually the guitar, and in the Allman Brothers instance, the slide guitar, is going to play and fill in some of that that, that, that dead space. So it's going to be, hey, I'm saying something, I'm saying something. When I'm done saying, the guitar is going to say something. And there's a bit of a Ooh, back and forth okay. between the guitar and the singer, right? Yeah. So those are the key elements. You got the one, four, five. You got the vocal styling of it. And then you've got the back and forth. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to play this again. And I want you to see if you kind of understand what I'm saying. Yeah. Now, this is the intro. So see, now watch. Here we go. We're going to the one. Ready? Watch. That's the first sentence. Here's the guitar. We just repeat it. Repeated it. Little guitar at the end. Line three. Goes into four. That's verse one. Easy. Go again. Now you kind of know where he's going to go, right? Yeah. Okay. But it's a story throughout. Now, we're going to get a little slide guitar from Dwayne. Listen to what he can do. Is that just killer or what? That is That's just pretty killer. cool. I'm into that. Right? So let me just elaborate on this one, four, five progression, okay. this blues progression that was really started back with Robert Johnson. So let's go back to Robert Johnson for a second, even though I know it might be a bit painful for you. I just mm. want you to hear this because this was the start of it. Listen to how the vocal style is the same. Here's line one. You're in the one chord as well. So what's he going to do with the second line? Same as the first. I went to the crossroads, down on money. And then there's a little guitar part at the afterward, filling that gap. Now into line three. At the line above, I'm missing up. Into four. Say, poor Bob, if you please. Now you see how that all works together. It's the yeah. same patterning as we just talked about with the blues from the Allman Brothers. But this goes even further into rock and roll because R&B, remember, the B is blues. So if you were to look at some of the other musicians that were coming out in the 50s, which I know you love, and started to play rock and roll, you've got so many of these same elements in rock and roll that they took from blues. Okay. Take a listen, for example, to... Hound Dog by Elvis Presley. Here's line one. 
What's line two? I'm not showing anything. They just speed it up. They make it quicker. Line three. And four. Let's do it again. Verse two. What's what's line two? Same as line one. All in the one, four, five. All right, I, I, one last really one. I'll cool. give you another example. I mean, these are the guys who started rock and roll as we know it, and it's derivatives of this blues. Take a look at Little Richard, for example. His instrument wasn't the slide guitar. His was the piano. But it's that same blues pattern. And we go from the one into the four chord, back to the one chord. Where are we going to go? Up to five, down to four, back to one. Now listen to the vocal patterning for him. Line two is gonna be same as line one. Into three. Into four. So you see, it's the same patterning. It's the same exact blues patterning. They just speed it up and make it rock and roll. Oh, that's perplexing. So they start getting really popular. The Allman Brothers have a couple of good albums. And the second album was called Idle Wild South. And the big hit off of that album was Midnight Rider, which is a song you probably know. Of course, right? Now, during this time, Eric Clapton... The greatest guitar player. <laughs> number one. <laughs> number one or number two, depending oh on what God. you look at. Reaches out to Dwayne Allman. He's like, dude, we need to meet. And the reason why he reaches out to him is because he heard what he did on Wilson Pickett's Hey Jude. He's like, I need to meet that guy. Clapton. Clapton. Says that to him. Wow. Now, during that same time, Dwayne Allman in- admired him because Clapton was huge with Cream and the Yardbirds and was doing stuff that... He was so impressed with also. Now, these guys are from separate parts of the world, you got to remember, right? I mean, they couldn't be much further apart. Where is Clapton from? England. Clapton's from England? He's, he's not, from England. I thought he was American. No, sir. Oh. No, sir. You know, they had cocaine in England. <laughs> so the Allman Brothers are playing at a concert in Miami, right? And mm-hmm. one night in, in, in 1970, Clapton and his boys sneak into this concert. And they post up right in front of the stage, right like in the very front where you would have almost like a barricade, where, where kind of like the police would stand, you know what I mean? So very front. They are in the very front. And they actually are on all fours, like crawling under the stage, and they just basically are, are laying there looking up at the Allman Brothers playing. That's kind of weird. No, I know. Well, that's actually, let me rephrase that. That's really weird. And they they did it on purpose, right? So they crawl on all fours, and Dwayne is in the middle of playing this guitar solo and looks down and locks eyes with Clapton and freezes. Like, as if you were to see, like, your hero, right? Just freezes. Now, Dickie Betts, who was also a great guitar player and was also in the Allman Brothers band, was like, what the hell? Did he break a string or, you know, what happened? And he's decided to cover for him. So he starts playing a solo to kind of pick up for the dead, you know, the dead air. And he looks down and sees Clapton and he has to turn his back because he can't look at him. So these guys are in absolute awe and in admiration of each other. Like, these are the two guitarists that are just at the top of their game in 1970. That's crazy. So now, 
both bands start to hang out, Clapton and the Almond Brothers, and they are, I mean, these are like drug-fueled, just mm. binge all-nighters, just tons of drugs, tons of partying. But what, what basically came of it is that, that Eric Clapton and Dwayne Allman became like this bond. Like they had this soul connection, and they were just like, Clapton has said that they are just basically brothers, soul brothers from another mother. Like, they are connected in some way. He just, he can't explain it. Really? Yeah. Like, really, really, really special. So he has Dwayne Allman in the the, the recording studio with him when he records this. This is a great song. This is Eric Clapton's masterpiece. And who's on this? And who's, who did this? Dwayne Allman. No way. Yeah. So song number two, as weird as I know it isn't the Allman Brothers, I have to play this because of how influential it was. The Allman Brothers are all over this unbelievably epic song, which is Layla by Eric Clapton. Did he write Layla? That's originally his song? That's his song. Yeah. yeah. I know there's a million covers. And it's such an important song, and we will oh, probably come back to this so many times, but listen, just listen to this. Now, a lot of people don't realize this, but there's actually 16 tracks of music on that album, like on this song. Six of them are guitar. You've got a rhythm track by Clapton. You've got three tracks of harmonies by Clapton. Then you have a track of solos by Allman. Then you have both Allman and Clapton playing duplicate solos of this 12... Dwayne Greg? Dwayne. This 12-note... Was was invented and came up by Greg uh, Dwayne Allman. That's so cool. So I gotta play that. I mean, that's just that important. This is not the same version of the song I usually hear. This is the version. This is the version. This is the original version. This is this is Derek and the Dominoes, which is which was Clapton's band at the time. Yeah. But let's just come on. Just incredible. Now, the, the reason I want to bring that up is for a couple reasons. One, because of how well they worked together and how, how special that they were. But the fact that this is the blues. Like, this is still the blues. Eric Clapton wrote this for his love for Patty Boyd. Patty Boyd was a model who was actually married to George Harrison of the Beatles at the time. Hmm. This she's, she's probably considered the best rock and roll muse of all time. I mean, songs have been written about her like something... Uh, if I Needed You, uh, Wonderful Tonight, and, of course, Layla. All these songs written by her. I mean, written for her. Sorry, written for her. Wow. Yeah. What does she... I don't know. What no, does she, she do? She was just beautiful and inspiring these guys to just do amazing things. But just oh, listen. That's Dwayne Allman. That good of a guitarist. Then these two guitarists on one track, maybe one of the greatest guitar songs ever made. This is great. All right. So we're going we're gonna to keep that there. So I, I know that that's weird because it's not technically the Allman Brothers, but I, I like got to play it because okay. it's, that, that it's that important. All right. Song number three is one of my most favorite songs that's ever been made. Whoa. Yeah. In 1971, 
the Allman Brothers make this album that was the greatest live album possibly ever created. Many different sources have said this has been the greatest live album ever made. And it's live at the Fillmore East. Now, we've talked about the Fillmore before. The Fillmore was basically like this nightclub in New York City. Yeah, there's two of them. There's one on the West Coast. Exactly right. There's Fillmore East and Fillmore West. So Fillmore East, which was on 2nd Avenue and East 6th Street, which is the lower east side, like kind of in the East Village. Oh, yeah. I know all about New York. Don't worry. There you go. Hendrix played there. The Kinks played there. John Lennon. Frank Zappa. The Grateful Dead did like 43 concerts there. Zeppelin played there. Taj Mahal. Dude, we got to do the Grateful Dead. They're so cool. We should. We definitely should. But the Allman Brothers did so many shows there that they were actually considered like the house band. Really? They were, yeah. And so what they did was they basically recorded the live album that is considered the greatest live album ever recorded. And on that album, there's a 22-minute version of song number three that I'm going to play for you, which is called Whipping Post. Oh, wow. 22 minutes. 22 minutes. Now, I'm not, not going to play... Now, here's what's weird. I'm not going to play you that version. Thank you. I'm going to play you the original version of Whipping Post. And the reason why is because I don't think you can get to the live version yet until you understand the original version. All right. Until you know what you're listening to, you can't actually hear the development and the, the improvisation and just the amazement of where they go until you understand the song. Enlighten, Does that make sense? Me. Yeah, okay. me. All right. So we're going to talk about, we're talking about two things. We got to talk about time signature. Do you know about time signature? I do. Okay. Time signature is like four, Fractions. four time. It's like a fraction. Exactly. The top number is how many beats are in a bar. The bottom number tells you the type of beat. So if it's four, there's four quarter notes. So if it's four, four time, there's going to be four quarter notes in a bar. One, two, three, four. Right? In mm-hmm. Whipping Post, there's three different time signatures. How? You, you went, we went over this with um, <laughs> whatever their name. Led Zeppelin was doing some yeah. stuff like that. I don't get how you can do that. How does I that know. make sense? You, first of all, you have to be unbelievably gifted musicians to do it. Because you've got to realize every one of the members has to stay in time. Has to be together. Otherwise, it's going to sound like garbage. Yeah, true. Two, when do you change? How do you change? And how fast are you going to go when you do change? So the first part, which is the intro, is actually in 11-4 time. Not counted 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11. 1, 2, 3, 1, 2, 3, 1, 2, 3, 1, 2. 1, 2, 3, 1, 2, 3, 1, 2, 3, 1, 2. That's called a lick of 11. That's called that's weird. A, no, 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 listen. One, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three, one, two. And it starts. This is Whipping Post. Now, when we get to the verse, we're going to go up to 12, 8 time. You see that quick change? You would never notice it, right? They do it seamlessly. Listen. Blues. She took all my money. Wrecked his new car. Just listen. Now she's with one of my good time buddies. Drinking in some cross town bar. 
the chorus. We're in 6-8. Ready? One, two, three, four, five, six. One, two, four, five, six. One, two, three, four, five, six. Now we go back to 11 for And by the way, we're still in 145. And then we got a little I mean, come on. You hear that organ too in the back? So now that's a song you really should learn and study and be a part of. And once you are able to get it and understand that time signature and the, and the complexity and the detail of all of that, the 22-minute live version at, live at Fillmore East is considered by many to be the greatest single live recorded piece of, of work ever done. Yes, you heard me right. That's a... Big, old, bold it is. statement. It is a very big, bold statement. But here's what I would say. It, you know, look, I'm not into the cello, okay? Right? No. But if somebody told me, listen, this might possibly be the greatest cello piece ever created by Yo-Yo Ma, I, I would listen to yeah, it. Yeah, you're going right? to have to listen to it. So that's, what, that's just what I want to leave you with, is that this has been considered one of the greatest live pieces of recording ever been done. So you should, you should hear it out. But I'm going to finish by saying this. This is all about the blues, these are blues boys, okay? After blues the, brothers, technically. Technically, that's a good point. After the release of the Live at Fillmore East album, these guys got unbelievably popular. Tons of money, tons of fame, tons of drugs, tons of tons access, of tons they of They probably ev- did tons of drugs. No, so much drugs it was ridiculous. Like, they actually, they actually bought a Boeing plane to, to fly around and do gigs and written on the... Uh, the bar in the plane was written in cocaine, welcome the Allman Brothers. Like, these guys were, it was insane. I mean, the excess was outrageous. Wait, yeah, what? Yeah, no, no, in, it, absolutely insane. They wrote it in cocaine? In cocaine. Yeah. That's really no, cool. No, no, it's just, the, the level of excess was just absolutely epic. I mean, just, just Why ridiculous. Why not, dude? Right? Rip it. But here's, here's where the blues comes in. Just like Robert Johnson, three months after the release of that album, Dwayne Allman dies in a motorcycle accident at age 24. Oh. So the greatest guitar player, the guy I've well. been playing for you, dies at 24 years old. Barry Oakley, the bassist of the, of the band, eerily dies three blocks away from where that motorcycle accident happened in another motorcycle accident, also at age 24. Now the band hmm. starts to really obviously fall apart. Years later, Bill Graham, the owner of the Fillmore, dies in a helicopter crash. Hmm. So Greg, the brother that's left, struggles with massive cocaine, heroin, alcohol, drug abuses, right. and has all this money and all this newfound fame, but he doesn't have his brother. That's sad. And doesn't have his band and doesn't have anyone to really share it with. This guy goes through seven marriages. Mm. Six divorces, mm. most popularly to share. Do you believe in <laughs> love? And that's what I want you to gather from this. As famous as they were, as incredibly blessed as they were, these are blues guys. And oh, when it comes sucks. to the blues, unfortunately, there's always that 
happening. There's something dark and mysterious and sad about the blues. They should have just sung about winning the lottery or something <laughs> a little happier. Maybe it would have turned out all right for them. I know. But it's sad, though. But it, that's what the blues so is. So they, the, weren't, they weren't around for very long then. No. They, they, listen, they always try they to keep the so band famous? together. Because they were amazing. They were amazing. But they, from what I just gathered from what we said was that they were here for 30 minutes. Honestly, they really were. The shortest period of time. Late 60s to basically 1971, 72. That was it. And they look, they try to keep the band together. They try to bring new members, but you can't. You can't replace Dwayne Ullman. You can't replace these guys, right? Right. It just was never the same. It was just never the same. So it's a story about the blues. It's a story about the 145. It's a story about Robert Johnson. It's all about that. And that's what the blues is. That's what the blues is. So I'm going to leave you with a little bit of this. I hope you enjoyed this. I hope it wasn't too old for you. Oh, I hope dude, you I, get a, a piece of the blues cool. a little bit. I do like this song. Yeah. We'll leave it there. And we'll see you next time. See you.